And it's the importance of the body of Christ. How important you are to this cause and to our nation. You know, when you look at our nation and you look at what's going on, you can get so frustrated, so exhausted, so weary. Many probably don't even listen to the news anymore because there's no hope. All they do is bicker, left, right, this, that. And it gets exhausting, and you think, man, we're doomed. <clears throat> now, I know God is, can do anything and everything. But I'm talking about you. When you look at yourself in the mirror, when you put that makeup on or shave your face, I mean, how many times do you look and say, well, what can I do? Maybe a lot of you even have lost the desire to vote, which is sad, but sometimes it can even come that way. But I hope that this morning, uh, by the anointing of Almighty God, that you start to understand how important you are to this nation, and to the cause of Christ. We put more emphasis on our jobs, on our education, raising our children, picking out vacations, buying homes, sports, hobbies, whatever you want to list, than how important we are. Because I believe the enemy has beat us down in fact, when he doesn't beat us down, we beat ourselves down. Can't do this. Can't accomplish this. I'm no good. God probably doesn't love me. I'm tired of all my failures. And you sit like a lump of clay. <clears throat> Looking forward to you to attend tonight. Please, there are people that are stepping out in faith, getting baptized. And it's always good to come and support them. So please consider coming back to the house of God tonight. All right, the importance of the body of Christ. Every scripture that I'm going to bring out, you might as well put your name in it because it's to you. Every one. Now, you have to, I know that a lot of times uh, we have church disease. You know, as soon as we start mentioning a scripture, you know it, you've dissected it, you know the Hebrew, you know the Greek, you've memorized it forward, backwards, and in the middle out. And so sometimes you just tune out or, or think you just kind of know. So let's uh, just pay attention. And please, let the Spirit of God speak to you. Matthew 5, you are, you, you. If you're the only one here this morning, this scripture is still true. You, you are the salt of the earth. You are, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its, its Savior, then it's good for nothing. Wherewithal shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. You are the salt of the earth. Now, it's, it's a little bit hard for us to grab this because salt is so kind of meaningless today. It's on every table. It's in every cupboard. We throw it on the floor and on the roads and all that kind of stuff. But back in the disciples' age, salt was a precious commodity. They did. They would pay people with salt. You know, I know when you're maybe my age, you remember the phrase, man, that, that guy's not even worth his salt, or he's worth his salt. That's where that came from, because salt was money. Roman soldiers were paid with salt. And that's why we say that, he's not even worth his salt. But you are the salt of the earth. 
Disciples are like salt because they have a preserving influence on our nation. Now start to list, start connecting the dots. You are the salt to this nation. Picture our nation now. Look at it. See how important you are unless you've lost your saltiness. You are the salt of the earth. And then we have that ability to preserve things. Salt was always used to preserve meat and to slow decay. Christians should have a preserving influence on our culture. I don't even know if we're slowing it down. The decay of America. Because all I hear from all of us is I can't believe how fast things are going. And so we just kind of wring our hands and say, oh, that Obama and all them liberals and that Senate and that Congress. And the Lord didn't say the president is the salt of the earth. He didn't say this. So God tells us if, if the salt loses its flavor, then it's good for nothing. Good for nothing. You know, I would always be bothered that I would hear that there's like 10,400 churches closing a year. 200 churches closing a week. But I've, I've changed my stance on that. I'm going, yeah! Because there are so many that are messed up and are ruining our nation. But the salt has lost its saltiness. What good is it? God says, trample it underfoot. Get rid of it. Amen. And I believe the Lord is. I believe the Lord is getting ready, getting rid of a lot of salt in our nation. So that it's good for nothing. Salt must keep its saltiness to be of any value, any, any whatsoever. When it's no good as salt, it's trampled underfoot, thrown out, just like I believe the Lord is doing in our nation with a lot of churches. 200 churches a week are closing. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now listen, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I mean, if you ever were up in a plane and you're coming in for a landing and you see L.A. all lit up or Dallas all lit up, it's just amazing to see a wide and big and spread and all lit up. It can't be hid, the Word of God says. This is what you cannot be hid as a godly person. You are to be seen, visible, in the front, in the limelight, the salt. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. God's making his point. I'm not going to pour the light of God in you and then hide it. You must be on a hilltop so all can see. <clears throat> this is our responsibility. This is how important we are to our nation. Look at our nation. You can tell we have been slack in our job. Our nation is decayed and rotten almost to the core now. And we want to point all kind of fingers at all the reasons why. This president, Republicans are no good, them weak lily. The Democrats, they're all. I don't see any of that in the Word of God. Verse 15 says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick it giveth light unto all. The entire house lights up. The light of the world means that we're not only light receivers, we're light givers. 
I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I'm desperate. I'm ready to commit suicide. And you're supposed to be full of light working beside that person. We must have a greater concern than only ourselves. Man, we are the most selfish generation. We cannot live only to ourselves. We must, have to, uh, we must have, be able to, have to, to shine so that others can see. Shine and, and clearly and lovingly to those around us, no matter who they are and what they are. Verse 16 says, tells us then, let your light then, let it shine before men. Your light. That's why I always say over and over, and even to our softball team, please, please, shine the light. It doesn't matter about the game. Let your light so shine before men. Here's why. That they may see your good works. Let them see what God has done in you and through you and in despite of you. Let them see. Let them look at you and say, man, didn't you have the most filthiest mouth at the world? What's that? Let them see your good works. Man, now were you staggering to your car? You drunk all the time. Now you're sober and straight, right? Let them see your good works. You let them see. Christian TV is a mess. You can't be waiting on them to do it. And you can't be waiting on Trump or the one after Trump or the one whoever. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So how we are, our conduct, and how we escape sin and stay clean and free from sin glorifies Almighty God. That's what it does. It points to God. This church should be pointing to the Lord. That word glory, or to glorify, means to praise. Your good work should praise God. Your good work should worship God. Your good work should magnify and celebrate God to a dying nation. That's the salt. That's what you are to be. Preserving life all around you. People without hope. Waiting for Bill O'Reilly to give them hope or whoever it is. There isn't hope in any of that. You are more important than Fox News. Way more important the people of God, the body of Christ reaches way more people than they'll ever reach. Spurgeon says, if you burn dimly, dim is the world's light. If you burn dimly, dim. If you burn dimly at work, dim is the light there. And dense is the darkness, is the rest of his quote. Think of that. Think of that. Wherever you work, wherever you go this week, if your light's flickering and about good for nothing and gone, then they're saying dim is that light in that place. Because it's you. It's your job. You're the light. You are. It's how important you are. The enemy wants to say, oh, you're a has-been. You're a bum. You're nothing but a failure. You're no good. What can you do? You don't have a public speaking. You don't have a high political job. You don't have power. You don't have might. Oh, but you do. And it's not of this world. 
We're functioning in this world instead of functioning in God's world. Listen to Spurgeon. If you burn dimly, dim is the world's light and dense is its darkness. Wherever you're at. Talking to someone, I can't remember who, who it was, during National Day of Prayer, and I said, how you doing? How you like retirement? Love it. And worked 42 years at that place. Okay, I don't have any idea about the person. I'm just making that. 42 years. Okay, so the idea is, who saw you burn for 42 years? 42 years would people know that you're godly and love God. 42 years would people say, don't go. He's a holy freak. Stay away from him. Would they say that about you? They should be. They should be, whether, whether you like that or not, or you don't want to hear that, they should know there's a distinct difference between you and the rest. And you don't have to be on top of the drill press spouting off for God. You just got to work and be holy. And speak when God gives you opportunities to speak, and you know he will. Look, Jesus never challenged us to become salt or light. He never challenged us to become salt or light. Listen, he said what? You are. You are salt or light. Kevin, you keep going and you'll be salt. No, you are. You already are. If you're truly a God-fearing person and you ask Christ into your life to forgive you, you are light and salt to this world. Everything about you, every, how you pay bills, how you work, how you dress, what you watch, your marriage, your children, sporting events. Jesus never called us to become salt or light. He simply said that we are. We are. So we're either fulfilling that or not. That responsibility. Now look. Let's all take a look at our nation. We can't be fulfilling it, can we? Uh, are we? The Lord's house has to be a house of truth. It has to be true. Okay? And we, I cannot say, isn't it wonderful our nation is? No, it's not. It's not. I believe the enemy has uh, buffaloed you and I that we don't have no say, no importance, no nothing. What's my one vote? All that kind of, we, we have bought all that for a number of years. And the enemy's just running rampant over our nation because the light is dim. Amen. It's dim. Now, the Bible says a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. I mean, it's just, uh, the church, we can't hide in this situation. We have to look at our nation and say, okay, uh, whose fault is this? Well, it's all those judges changing laws from the bench. Yeah. How do all these people have this weird, different mindset now? How do they all have this ungodliness about them? Look, in the same way, Jesus wanted the people of his kingdom to live visible lives. He wanted us to see, see my... Brother Kevin at work, look at him. Look how he doesn't 
cuss every other word. That was so disgusting. And it, I've, I've almost completely stopped watching ESPN. Almost. And I've been a sports person all my life. But it's, it's, there's no, no, nothing good in it anymore. I mean, they just go up to a guy and say, man, how'd that fourth quarter go? And it's blank, beep, 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 beep. Just such filthy talking and language. And how can, how did, when did all that take place? John 15, 13, 35 says this. Listen, listen, this is about us. By this, this is what the word is saying. Here's a big key. says, by this. All will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. God is saying this, this is a big key that your nation's going to have to see this. You're going to have to see your love one for another. Look, listen to me. This verse won my father to the Lord. Moved here when he was 80 years old. All he knew was Catholicism. I didn't even particularly want him to move here. Because I'm thinking there's no way he's going to understand what I do. And yet we would talk after he was here a few years. Some of you witnessed him coming down to the altar over in that little church. And you know what he told me years ago? He said it was, I can't believe the love of the people in this place. He doesn't know anything about Scripture. Dumb as a doorknob about the Word of God, Bible. And yet he felt the love of God through the people, through you, through the congregation of New Hope. My dad is walking streets of gold. It wasn't me saying, Dad, you've got to be born again. He went, oh, yes, son. No, it wasn't wasn't. He would send me stuff in the paper saying, you're crazy, you're in a cult. Until he got here and felt the love of the people. And I would still, even in this church, I would still stand here and try to get my wife's attention going, like this, watching my dad to come down to pray for someone. That's how important you were in his life. By this, my dad saw the love of God through the people here. And some of you loved him. Bill Hartmeyer played golf with him and loved him. Dick Mohawko loved him. And I heard my dad on the phone to them guys. Okay, buddy. See you later, buddies. He knew no one coming here. And I was going, what's he going to do here? I can't golf with him every day. And God had buddies for him waiting. That verse one. Your love for my dad won him, Bill. John 15, 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Fruit is to be seen. It is. I was cutting grass the other day in a hoodie and all that kind of... Yeah. And, and my son from L.A. is always sending me these sunshine pictures and pictures of the beach. and His backyard is full of grapefruit, mangoes, and oranges and all this, all the kind of stuff. And uh, we bought this house and there's a tree. I don't know what it was. And all of a sudden it's got all these little peaches on it. So with my great wisdom in studying plants and trees and leaves, I went, oh, I got a peach tree. 
How do I know I have a peach tree? Right. There's fruit on the tree. And so I sent a picture, took a picture, and went, my peach tree. <laughs> and he was stunned. He went, you have a peach tree? Because of where we live, nothing grows like that, he's thinking. But there's proof, because there's fruit. And that's the proof that Jesus Christ lives. And that where nothing grows and nothing can become holy, it can't produce fruit. And people will take pictures and show it. Send it. Look. Fruit. So the purpose of fruit bearing is not to bring, is, is to bring glory to God, not man. What did I do for that peach tree? What did I, how did I make peaches pop out of them things? The glory goes to God. If people look at our lives and praise us for the glorious fruit, something's wrong. And there's a lot of that in the house of God. And right after service, I will autograph your Bible, if you hang in there, for $50. It's all full. It's what the church has been since I've been born again. 1974. Remember I told you I believe I became born again in a born again dying movement. Because we have switched and we want to be wealthy and educated and instead of just simply praying and trusting God. This whole purpose for your existence is to glorify God. That's it. Your whole purpose. So that they see. And then they start magnifying the God your life glorifies. And then they start celebrating the life your God is seen through your life. Yes, yes. To make the Lord known to the lost and dying world. That's the body of Christ's job. No one else can do that. If you don't do it, we end up with the nation that we have. Godless turning away from God, now despising, rioting, rejecting, and getting violent. That's how important you are. So it was like that in Ezekiel's day. And Ezekiel, we're going to go to Ezekiel's house, and he's having a little meeting there. They're now in uh, captivity. Nothing's going right. Ezekiel 8.1, it says, And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house. Ezekiel. Okay? I've had lots of meetings in my house. We didn't have a building, had lots of them. Would sit with certain people and say, man, what's going on? We need a plan. We need to have an idea. Maybe that's exactly what was going on in Ezekiel's day. They're sitting in his house. The elders are with them of Judah. They sat before me. Then the hand of the Lord fell thereof upon me. So there they are having this powwow, this meeting. Man, our nation's a mess. Kids are a mess. Everything's crazy. Marriages are falling apart. Fathers aren't in the home anymore. Such disgust and filth on TV. Can't even go to school without being patted down and walking through metal things. And I can't even go to ER to check on you unless I get patted down and walk through first. 
what can we do? And it says the Spirit of God fell on him. Now, if you can just read that, the Spirit of God fell on him. But if you look at that in, in the Old Testament commentaries, they're, they're saying it was like a bolt of lightning. <laughs> just God grabbed him like a thunderbolt in front of those people, like saying, like, I have something to say. And he said it through the prophet Ezekiel at this meeting as they were trying to figure out what's going on. Ezekiel 8.2 says this, Then I beheld, and lo, a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins even downward, fire, and from his loins even upward, as the appearance of brightness, as the color of amber. He's trying to describe something he's seeing. And he put forth the form of a hand, and he took me by the lock of my head, and the Spirit lifted me up between heaven and earth. Vision, Ezekiel, meeting, what's wrong? Our nation's falling apart. There's no hope. I'm disgusted. I'm not even voting. And he brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, where the name of Christ is to be forever. And then he brought me to the inner door, the gate. So he was carried in a vision to Jerusalem and to God's church, God's sanctuary, God's house. And he says, that looketh the, toward the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoked to jealousy. So God snatches the man of God by the back of his head, lifts him up between heaven and earth, takes him to what's supposed to be the most holy city, where God's name will be forever, brings him in the house of God, where the hope and life of the world is. He says, what do you see? I see a filthy image of jealousy. I see an idol in the house of God. So this is talking about false gods that we set up in our lives. God's more important to us than Jehovah, than Yeshua, than Jesus. So we have false gods apparently being set up. Listen. In the hearts now of us. See, if I set one up of jealousy right here, it wouldn't be no long. Bruce would be saying, hey, 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 what's, what the heck's going on? And you'd be right behind Bruce. But I, I'm smart enough to know Bruce had a little trouble seeing, but not God. New Living Testament says, where there is a large idol that made the Lord very jealous. Wouldn't you be? It was every drop of sinless blood to buy you, Aaron. Sinless, true God who knew no sin willingly spent it and shed it for the love of Aaron. And Aaron says, sorry, I love this one first. Oh, you're on my list, God, but this one's first. I provoke God to jealousy. I know this will sound dumb, but so I am. I remember dating Ruth, all girls' school, and she always would be in every play, every play in the world that they had. She was in it. She had this part, playing this 
cute little girl, and then it's an all-girls school. So then there's a girl made up to look like a guy wanting to date her and like her. And, and I'm sitting in there and wanted to punch out, it's a girl. <laughs> it was bothering me. It's a play. It's all faked. It's acting. But I didn't like it. Putting her arm around her, holding her hand. It's like, buzz off. That's the way the Lord, Lord doesn't like it. He doesn't like to see a, an idle hand come around you. The Lord looking at you saying, Kevin, I love you. I love you with all my heart. And idol comes in sports, football. I don't have any clue. You go like, oh, but Joe, look at me. Oh, yes, you're beautiful. Oh, I still love the Lord. Love you, Lord. Be right back after the game. Jealousy in the house of God. In, in here. Ezekiel 8, 4, he goes on and says, Suddenly... The glory of the God of Israel was there. Now, we know the presence of God is everywhere. But if you've been saved at any length of time, all you could probably give a good amen to say, just something special, something. Man, it's like the presence of God just showed up more than ever before. That's what's happened just here. In the house, having this meeting, elders of Judah are there. And they're going, man, what can we do? Our nation's falling apart. No one wants to come to church anymore. I don't even feel like people are listening. And God says, boom, I'll tell you. So suddenly the glory of God of Israel was there just as I had seen it before in the valley where he fell as dead. Verse 5 says, Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, look toward the north. So I looked, and there to the north beside the entrance to the gate near the altar stood the idol that had made the Lord so jealous. So now the idol is at the, the altar. Now we're always talking about the house of God now, where we come to worship and glorify and magnify Almighty God. Listen, National Day of Prayer was Thursday. We had it at Zanesville for the last four or five years, trying to be, you know, centrist, uh, middle of the road, not offend anybody, church this, whether you're Baptist, whatever you are, we'll have it at Zanesville High School big devil head on the window and all that kind of stuff. And they booked it and forgot about us and no one else would take us. Certain schools said, oh, nothing political or religious here. We don't want any of that. So I just told Ruth, we're having it in the church. We're having it in ours. They don't like it too bad. We're having it in ours and we're going to have worship. Like it was like, oh, really? It's, it's National Day of Prayer. And if you were here, I would have to say it was the most powerful, most sweet presence of Almighty God ever in the house of God. So listen, what I'm saying is this, not even so much this church, any. The house of God makes a difference. And here in the house of God, they're saying, what's wrong with us? Churches, people are not coming. There's false gods everywhere. And God is saying, you want to know, I'm telling you. Want to know what's wrong with America? I'm telling us. I'm not telling you, I'm telling us. The biggest, most horrible problem with America is pastors. Preach all kind of nonsense. So the Lord said to me, Son of man, look to the north now. 
Verse 6, he says, son of man. Listen to the words of the Lord. Son of man, he said, do you see what they are doing? Do you see the detestable sins the people of Israel are committing to drive me from my temple? What? What? Yes. Not the liberal and the extremists and the Nazi fascism, that group, and all the different groups that are rising up and all that. They're not driving the presence of God from the temple. Our sin is. You understand? Listen, don't go, oh, he's pounding us. No, I'm trying to get you to understand how important you are. You see, you have a choice to walk for God and not. But you're a city on a hilltop, and they're going to either see you walking for God or not. You see, God's plan was, man, watch my billboards everywhere. Watch them. Serve me, love me, and then you will. He says, son of man, do you see what they're doing? It's like God is stunned. Do you see the detestable sins of the people of Israel are committing to drive my, my presence away from the temple? Wouldn't that be bad enough? But look the rest. He says, but come, and you will see even more detestable sins than these. You see, the next big election comes around, I'm voting. I'll vote. I'll do my best. But that's not the answer. Jesus Christ said, you are. We know that he's the answer. But he said, by the way, the answer is going to live in you. And now you're the answer. You're the salt. You're the light. You make the difference. Remember, you don't have to say, oh, one day, Pastor, I'll be salt like you. No, you're already salt. You are salt. So, verse 7 says, Then he brought me to the door of the temple courtyard, where I see a hole in the wall. Okay, the temple courtyard, that's between the altar and the curtain, the brazen altar and the curtain. Remember, we've talked about that. We taught on that. That's where they would stand and cry out to God to stop the plague. The brazen altar behind you and the curtain to the holy place in front of you. It's like the porch. We're crying out to God. It's the altar where you're supposed to be crying out to God. So he brought me to the door of the temple courtyard where I could see a hole in the wall. And he said to me, now, son of man, dig into that wall. So God is taking us deeper into the problems. So I dug onto the wall and found a hidden doorway. See, one, one Bruce could not find by just looking at Pastor. Oh, I've known Pastor for years. He's all right. Hey, I got some doorways. We know how to hide them. And God said to him, go in. He said, and see the wicked, detestable sins that are committing in there. So I went in and saw the walls engraved with all kinds of crawling animals, detestable creatures. I also saw the various idols worshipped by people of Israel. All the various things that you let into you. 
all the Hollywood, all the various filth, all the stuff you can't hardly even watch on television anymore is in us. Detestable, creepy things. And somewhere in there is the Lord. I love you, Lord. In the midst of all that. That's why God was provoked to jealousy. So I went in and saw the walls engraved with all kinds of crawling animals, detestable creatures. I also saw the various idols worshipped by the people of Israel. Seventy leaders of Israel were standing there with Jazaniah, son of Shapheth, in the center. Each of them held an incense burner from which a cloud of incense rose. They're all doing their priestly, godly stuff, just like me. I'm reading scripture, I have a tie on, I'm standing behind a pulpit, I have a Bible open, incense. And God's saying, take a look inside these people. Now God's into the leaders. Look at them. Look, and he goes, come, look what they're doing. Can you believe what they're doing? And that's what verse 12 says. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing with their idols in dark rooms? Now, just to make the point, we have a couple elders. Can you see what Bruce and Daryl are doing in their dark rooms? They are saying, the Lord doesn't see us. He has deserted our land. Verse 13 says, Then the Lord added, Come, and I will show you even more detestable sins than these. And if you're like me, I'm like, Enough, enough already. 14, He brought me to the north gate of the Lord's temple, and some women were sitting there weeping for an idol. For an idol that was destroyed. They're weeping. Some type of whatever. The Hebrew word for that uh, word, tamaz, is to melt down. Instead of weeping for the nation's sin, they're weeping for an idol. In the house of God, where God says, My house shall be a house of where you seek God and you weep for souls. They're weeping for an idol. God, no wonder God says, Do you see what they're doing? Remember, it all started, Ezekiel in his house having a meeting with Judah, all the elders of Judah, and said, boys, anybody got a plan? Man, we got, we got big trouble. And then, boom, the power of God fell. Here's, here's, here's the part where you've got to see how important you are. Because we're getting very close to it. 16. Then he brought me into the inner courtyard of the Lord's temple, the entrance to the sanctuary between the entry room and the bronze altar. There were about 25 men with their backs to the sanctuary of the Lord. They were facing east, uh, bowing low to the ground, worshiping the sun, S-U-N, worshiping nature, counting on nature. Mother Earth, go hug a tree, Earth Day, with their back towards God, worshiping, bowing low, Worshiping the S-U-N. Look what God says again. 
through the prophet. Have you seen this, son of man? He asked. Look at the preachers and pastors. Look at them. I'm not positive. I think we have 101 churches. 101 churches in Zanesville. National Day of Prayer. Not New Hope's Day of Prayer. National Day of Prayer. 101 churches. We had six pastors come, counting myself. Have you seen anything like this before? Look at them. Have you seen the Son of Man, he asked. It is nothing to the people of Judah that they commit these detestable sins. Okay, now here's, here's the big key. Look what happens to our nation. Leading the whole nation into violence. How's America? What's it getting? More violent than ever in my life. Ever in my life. Well, those dumb Democrats, really back Republicans. No, it's the people of God. It's us not being what we're called to be. Uh, you'll coach Johnny, you'll coach Sally, you'll coach this, you'll coach that. But look, look, that's how important you are. If we don't step up like the prayer was and do what God has called us to do, our land, America, gets filled with violence because we are not doing what God has called us to do. You can't, you can get mad, but there it is. And I don't even want you to get mad. And I'm not trying. I'm trying to show you how you're the salt and the light. You preserve. You give light and darkness. And you stop violence from filling the land when you walk according to the Word of God. And you live according to it. And you quit playing and dabbling with things that you know you shouldn't be because they come and stand inside the altar of your heart and mock God. I've redeemed you. I saved you. I bought you back when you were laying in blood in your own sin. I picked you up. I wiped you off. I cuddled you and swaddled you like a newborn baby. I said to you, live, Lenny, live. You see how important you are. I can't... I almost fell off the lawnmower when I, because I tried to listen to some really good, strong preaching and heard him say, fill the land with violence. I did. I almost wrecked. I thought, oh, my gosh. Because who can deny what's going on now in America? Who can deny? You know, and, and the big thing now is, uh, the Republicans will straighten it out. Well, they're all in where they're supposed to be in. And what are they doing? Bickering and fighting amongst themselves. A few things pretty good, pretty cool. But that's not your answer. We've been trying to put our, whatever, our, our abilities and stuff in stuff. It's, it's not a bad thing, but that's not the answer. The answer is you are to be a billboard for Christ. The answer is you are to live holy, walk holy, talk holy, act holy, be holy. That's what preserves and keeps and holds back the darkness. Light is much stronger than darkness. And you know that. We can make it as total dark as we can. Flick one light, darkness is gone. 
Darkness is not going, ah, we're still strong. No, they're gone. One light. Have you seen this son of man, he asked. Is it nothing to the people of Judah? Is this nothing to you? What I'm saying about how important, how much you represent what goes on in a nation of America? You see, now I know the enemy's beating you down. I'm just sitting in a little house washing dishes on the backside of Fultonham. I can't do it. Oh, yes, oh, yes, 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 yes. We've bit that lie. And we lived that lie. And we've let all the fools of the world take over. And look what they're doing. Even those running churches. And God says, all right, it's enough. And now he's closing them down. 200 churches a week. And first heard that, I was going, oh, man. No, but after I see and listen and pay attention and pray, and I'm thinking, all right, God, do it. Shut down them dumb things that aren't preaching the word of God. And he'll do it here if we go off. But he says, have you seen it? Is it nothing to the people of Judah that have committed these detestable sins, leading the whole nation in violence? So Ezekiel says to those Judah, the elders of Judah and all them are in his house, dudes, we're the problem. It's us. Gross national product, all that various stuff is plummeting, unemployment sky high, uh, divorce, pornography, abortion, through the roof. It's us, guys. We're the problem. God has spoken through me. You see it in the Word. We're the issue because we're not being what God has called us to be. So, look, don't go out like, no, realize how important. Real, look in the mirror and think, wow, it does matter what I do, say, and live. It is important to this city, Zanesville. God forsaken, it is maybe, but this is where God has put me. It is important that I stay away from that, don't do that, and don't mingle with that, and don't get myself polluted. And It is important that I turn that off in my house when no one else sees, but almighty Isaiah 111 says, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? This is proof where God says, I'll shut down churches. I don't have any problem with that. Look what he says to the people that keep coming with their sacrifices and music and band playing and red hanky waving and all that. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? saith the Lord. I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or the lambs or the goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to, treat my, to tread my courts? Bring no more vain obligations, incenses, and abomination unto me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot. Away with it, it's iniquity. Even the solemn meeting. God has enough of what we call religion in church. He says, I can't stand it anymore. So 200 churches are closing a week in the United States of America. Wow, 1,500,000 people die a day in America. 200 churches. That's 10,400 churches a year. God's saying, I'll clean the house. I'll clean up. You have to see this. You have to see how important you are. 
how important you are to the body of Christ, to those who are watching. And you're being watched. You are being watched. Oh, I'm sure far away and from the weeds, you're being watched. How you work, how you talk, how you cut grass, how you wash, everything, you're being watched. Instead of being a blessing to our nation, our lukewarmness has filled the United States of America with violence. So this morning, as you stand, please. Look, I hope you're hearing me. I'm not saying you're good for nothing, bunch of bums. You're, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I, I, I believe you don't understand how important you are. And so when we hear the world just throwing up on us every day with all its filth, we just kind of go, what the heck can I? There's nothing I can. This is impossible. All if I was president. No, if you was president, you'd have to take a demotion. Do you understand it? You have the ear of Almighty God. Any given moment, you can walk into his holy temple. And almighty God says, yes, my son, what's... And you start to plead and cry out. It's another thing. We have no importance on prayer either. So what I want you to do is I want you to please come to this altar. And I want you to just tell the Lord, Lord, I... Jeez, I didn't realize. I didn't realize, Lord... I got my focus off and onto the news and onto the sickness of our country and how filthy I've just kind of given up. You see, this morning is, is not to condemn you. It's not that at all. It's just to see, see how important. Same thing was going on in Ezekiel's day, and God finally says, the way they're acting is filling the land with violence. It's not the Romans. It's not who has you captivity. It's you are not being what you're called to be. A man and a woman of Almighty God. We live together. We sin together. We drink together. We do everything. The world, all the creepy things that are on the walls inside. We do it. The idols are in here. So tell the Lord, Lord, I, I just didn't realize how important our, our nation. And I know God can speak to you. I don't care how far you are in God. I was very, very new in God. Maybe a month or two old. Looking at this bottle of whiskey. A bottle that I could never afford. Very expensive. It was almost like an idol to me. And God was dealing with all that. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'll give it away. I'll give it to my dad. For you, Lord, I will give it to my dad. And I'm sure the father went, that's, that's worthy son, but. So even at months old, I heard the but. And I went, oh, you're right, Lord, that is silly. And down the drain it went. You can hear from God. You can hear the little but, thank you. No, I'm just going to say names. Don't freak out, okay? 
thank you, Dana, for that. Appreciate that. That's loving. But, Alan, I love that prayer. Bruce, you've been out here a long time, but God said, but you can hear them. You know you can. Now remember, you have to understand we're the most selfish nation. You're not doing this for yourself. You're doing it for that space that's empty beside you. You're doing it for the one who found you in your sin and filth and picked you up and said, live. Live, Daryl Clark. Live. That's who you're doing it for. That's how important. Daryl doesn't salt. Then whoever is God has ordained and put in his life goes without salt, and they decay faster. Nothing preserving their lives because you're not salting or showing the light. That's how important you are. One million, two hundred thousand, or five hundred thousand or going to the grave today. Today. You see, your life is more important than any CEO. Oh, if I just made, oh, if I could just be head of Google. Oh, if I could just, your life is so much more important than any CEO or any big shot politician. They won't even answer a question right. Your true walk, your holy walk, listen, is health and life to America. As you walk right and holy for God and do what you can, America's laying on the gurney and you're going, live America, live, live. Because it's only God who can bring it up. Our altars are open. Michael, please. Come to this altar and say, Lord, I used to realize, I've laid it down, I forgot, I didn't realize, I didn't know. Just come. Come. And let the Lord speak to you. Let the Lord again put the heart of God in. Say, Lord, reorganize my priorities. Nothing's more important than God. Not even the raising of your children. No, no, no. Those children came from God. They're an inheritance to you to raise, to serve God. That's what they are. Not to serve man and become a ball player or the next best golfer or the next best CEO. No, they're to be the next evangelist, next preacher, next mighty woman of God. Who thinks that now in America? You are important. The body of Christ is so important to the health and life of the United States of America.